Good morning, everyone. Welcome to Orange Crest Community Church. I'm really glad that you're here, and I'm glad. I'm grateful for the opportunity to be here as well. As Josh mentioned, we are in our third week of a message series called Aftermath. And in this series, we've been looking at how to take advantage of the rich soil for growth that's provided by the aftermath situations in our lives. In fact, going through life, you hit you hit trouble. Sometimes you hit massive problems, and, and there's a need to figure out how do we move forward, how do we get through this. And so today we're going to look at our need to lean in to those situations and learn as much as we can uh, from the aftermath of unwanted circumstances and events. But before we jump in, would you take a minute and pray for me as we ask for the Lord's help this morning. Father God, thank you for this beautiful morning and this time to be together. I thank you for your word, which uh, has supplied the wisdom for this message. And I just thank you so much for the way that you lead us forward and you help us navigate difficulties and trouble in life. I thank you for your care and your love. And would you help us now as we look at your word and, and strive to apply it to our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Aftermath is defined as the consequences or the after effects of a significant unpleasant event. And on a grand scale, we've looked at a few pictures over the past few weeks of uh, cities that have been destroyed by earthquakes or floods, and you, you can see just the devastation that, that goes on for a long period of time, or some of the rubble that remains, and, and, and the people that need to figure out, how do we rebuild here? How do we move forward? And, and we hit situations like that in our lives, and we're trying to figure out, how do we, put the, how do we pick the pieces up? How do, we, how do we put things back together? And depending on the nature of the problem, sometimes you may even be humiliated or, or embarrassed in the aftermath of the problem, depending, depending on what happened or, or, or if it was something that you caused or, or maybe something outside of yourself. And, and maybe we would just want to even pretend that it never even happened. Maybe you can just try to ignore it. I'd like to show a scene from the movie The Money Pit. And uh, this is a, a, an older movie. And if you're a homeowner, it may resonate with you a little bit. But this is it's a video with uh, a very young Tom Hanks and Shelley Long. And they purchased their dream home. It's quite a mansion. And they find out that it may have some flaws in the construction as it begins to fall apart. So take a look at this. You need a nice flaming setup. I've got a heat source there. There's an attractive pan. And in the pan, I have a mixture of sugar, butter, orange juice, and grated orange peel. I'm bathing it in this mixture. I like to use a no-stick pan and heat it until water.
problem in the kitchen. Nothing trivial. <laughs> well, the turkey's done. So is the kitchen. Actually, it's a little overdone for my taste. Let's not go there again. You don't want to tell me what happened? No, I don't. I just want to relax in a nice, lukewarm bath. What about this? I don't think that can hurt us anymore. I think <laughs> to the to the problem there. Did anybody see that movie way back? That uh, can I say they don't make movies like that anymore? Okay, that's a, that's a good one. Well, as they're dealing with this problem, they have a lot of people that they could blame for that. They could they could blame the builder, they could blame the real estate agent, even the prior owners. They hit all those problems, but they're in a, they're at a place where they need to get to a frame of mind where they can figure out. How are we going to rebuild this thing? How do we, how do we make the most of this? And, and if you're a homeowner, maybe that, that hit a little close to home. But uh, in the same way, we, we need to figure out when, when the disaster strikes us and the unexpected things blow up, how do, we, how do we own those things in the aftermath and make the most out of it? I mean, he's trying to make the most out of it by laughing, I guess. But I've had a few serious attempts at trying to buy a house out here. And, you know, prices are steep and, and it it's, can be hard to get a home. And, but there was one time we found a house. And we were looking, and it looked really good. It was an area that we liked, and it seemed like it was kind of right at the edge of, of what, you know, our price point. We're like, I think this is it. This is our ticket into home ownership. And so um, we put an offer in, even put uh, the good faith deposit down. And we started uncovering a few problems with the house as in, in this process. And, you know, I knew that the roof was going to need to get replaced. And so I was trying to factor that in, you know. Uh, you know, factor that into the loan, whatnot, and then, but then I found out there was some termite damage, and so that was going to need to be dealt with, and, and there was some problem with the fencing around the property, and then, then it just seemed like it, things were adding, they were, they were getting added on, and like, at first I was like, you know, it's right, we'll figure it out, we'll pay for it somehow, more, more loan, I don't know, and then at a certain point when I was time to sign the loan, and, and I was sitting down with the loan officer, I was in his office, and I was thinking, you know what, I need to pull out of this. This is, uh, this is, uh, this is beyond what I can do. And e- even at the risk of losing the good faith deposit, and in some ways it was a bit of an embarrassing problem because, you know, come on, and you, you check out all the details before you went ahead and invested your money and before you put in the offer, and, and, and that was kind of the point where we backed out of looking for a home, and it just felt like it was time to stop. And so overall, it just felt somewhat defeated. And so, depending on the nature of the problems that we're facing. It can be difficult to even get to a frame of mind where, you, where you're ready to deal with the problem. And, and then even beyond that, to, to learn from it can be a whole other thing. Last week we talked about the need to fear the Lord, and, and the need, which is it's taking God seriously, and the need to choose humility. And those two values, fear the Lord and humility, are important because they set the stage for us to make the most out of the opportunity, for us to grow in wisdom in the aftermath of difficulty. Especially if you, if you really blow it, say, let's say you make a big mistake or a faulty decision or just a really, really bad choice and things fall apart, things blow up. It's hard to own up to that. I don't want people to know that I, you know, 
I made this big mistake. I don't want to let people know, like, you know, what were the decisions that led up to that? And, you know, relationships are fragile. You know, it could be that maybe you have a concern that's growing in the back of your mind about, about your kids or your wife, but you, you don't stop to address it, and then a storm arrives. A big problem comes out of that. Or, or it could be a dating relationship that, that breaks up, or, or we lose our job. And we can be stunned as we're trying to figure out, man, what went wrong? What's happening here? This is, this is a big, significant problem. Maybe we're pushing the envelope with finances. And then all of a sudden, an unexpected expense lands. And it can, brings everything else come crashing down. And all your plans to save and, and distribute money just totally fall apart. How much better in those moments, in these, when the trouble strikes, for us to be able to humble ourselves and to learn from it so that we can minimize trouble in the future. Learn from it so we can, we can know how to prevent this from happening again or navigate wisely. And sometimes it's a big disaster moment that strikes us. Other times there's, there's some real awful problems that just keep coming back. There's cyclical problems that, you know, they just keep repeating themselves. They keep coming up over and over again. It's as if the problem wasn't bad enough the first time. You know, in, in marriage it could be could be the same argument. We're just having the same thing over and over again. The same old fight. It's a different day. And in the midst of that, tension is building. Distance is growing. That's a big problem in relationships. Maybe I just run my mouth again. And I, I just aired my big fat opinion again, and now I'm in trouble for it. Or I blew up that relationship. Or, or I'm damaging people. Or it could, be, it could be related to an addiction where I'm trying to get a grip. And I make some progress and staying clean for a little while. But then I fall back in. Or, or it could be at work. You know, maybe it's just... At work, no one should have to work in these conditions. You know, my boss is out to get me. I know it. And the solution here is I just need to get a new job. I need to get out of this. I need to get a new job. You get a new job. You have a different boss, different coworkers, but there's still a very similar pain. There's a similar pressure. There's still similar problems going on. And in any of these areas of life, when the storm arrives, we ask, what is happening? Why is this happening to me? Of, of all the times, of all the people, why is it happening to me right now? And more importantly, when's it going to stop? When is this problem going to blow over? When can I just stop worrying about it and get on with things? And the interesting thing, especially about these reoccurring problems, is that we may or may not be aware of what's really happening. We may not even realize. We have no idea that we're banging our head against the same wall over and over again. And the knots just keep growing on my forehead. And whether it's by lack of knowledge or lack of skill or even just a lack of desire, we often fail to buck up and deal with the problem, get a grip, and, and deal with it head on in a way, in a helpful way that's going to allow us to rebuild after the disaster has, has come. Because honestly, it's, it's a lot easier. It's way easier just to worry about it and that's it. You know, I'm just so stressed out. I don't even know what to do. I'm so overwhelmed. I don't even know what I'm going to do. Well, what's your next step? I don't know. I'm just stressed. I'm just stressed. I'm, I'm so overwhelmed. I'm not going to do anything about it. It's, it's easier to, to worry. It's even easier just to ignore it. Maybe if I ignore it, I won't have to deal with the problem at all. Or, or it's easier just to look the other way and just pretend nothing ever happened. Because I don't, I don't want to talk to people about it. I don't want people to know the decisions I made that led up to this. I don't want to have to rehash this with somebody. And anyway, even, even if I wanted to fix it, it's hard to even know how to respond. How do I, where do I get started when I'm standing in the middle of the aftermath of the problem? Where do I begin? I, maybe, maybe I know I, I can't ignore this problem. But where do I start? This problem doesn't even seem fixable. What do I do? We need wisdom to handle the problems of life effectively. We need wisdom to know how to navigate through those problems, to navigate through the aftermath and to rebuild. In fact, God uses the aftermath to reveal our need for wisdom. God uses the aftermath moments of life to reveal 
I need wisdom. There is so much to be learned. When life feels like it's falling apart, <laughs> everything everything's crashing down, and then if I were to lean in towards God in the middle of the mess and say, you know, I, I want to get this thing cleaned up. I want to figure out whether I caused the problem or it just it fell on me. I want to learn. And, you know, I have these feelings. I want to run away from the problem. I want to run away from people. I don't want to let people in, but I'm going to decide I want to learn from this. There is such an incredible hope as we embark on that journey, as we decide I'm going to clean this up that we, in the messes that we find ourselves in. God is there to help us every day. This is the hope that we have. He can help us grow in whatever we're facing. And, and here's the amazing thing. God allows the aftermath, this, you know, the, the disaster to strike to train us. Life becomes the training ground for us to grow. Life becomes, you know, the problems that we're trying to figure out, we're putting the pieces back together, we're figuring out what to do. That becomes the training ground where we understand how life works and who God is and how has he designed life. And so God allows these problems to crop up in order to instruct us. Natively, we're, we, we make a mess of things and maybe our knee-jerk reaction isn't the right one and he uses these moments to instruct us. Um, he uses them to correct us and to cause us to grow towards future blessing. Check out this helpful perspective in Proverbs. Proverbs three eleven and 12. It says, My son, do not despise the Lord's discipline or be weary of his reproof. For the Lord reproves him whom he loves as a father, the son in whom he delights. And these moments, the, the problem comes up and, and we're stuck. It's painful, it's hurting. And in some ways, it can be that God's allowing us in a, in, a, in a discipline or an instructive way, in a reproving way. Look at the word for discipline. Uh, if you look, this was originally written in Hebrew, and the word for discipline is the, is the Hebrew word musar. And properly, it means chastisement. comes on a little heavy. And figuratively, it means reproof, uh, warning, or instruction. In fact, if you look at the root word from this, yasar in Hebrew, um, it's again a chastise. Chastise can literally be with physical blows, like, you know, to strike someone, to, to chastise them in that way, or, or even figuratively with words. Um, and, and hence, to instruct. And so, when the problems come up, it, it comes on heavy and it hurts. To, to be instructed or to, to, be, to be hit with the problems and, and then being and be uh, reproved it, it hurts and that's why this verse is, is telling us hey it, it don't get worried don't get weary of this you know don't, don't neglect it don't get tired of, of the instruction and this is not like the kind of instruction that we get in these moments is not like you get in a classroom it's not like a teacher standing up there here's a textbook of, of your problem here's a textbook of the, of the next steps God's discipline and God's reproof is instruction with a corrective edge to it and, and this is not like a teacher, but it's more like a coach. A coach trains an athlete, and, and really good coaches, sometimes they th- say things that don't feel very nice. <laughs> a coach will give some, some real hard uh, instruction so that the, the athlete can excel. And so many times, correction can even feel like a beating. And the Bible says this correction, though, that we receive, even though it comes on heavy and it, and it hurts and, and, it, and it comes down real hard, it's the pipeline for learning wisdom. This correction that we receive is the pipeline for learning wisdom and how life works. I don't know if you've ever gone to a wise person looking for help, looking for some answers for the problem, and you go and you, you leave feeling kind of beat up. Because maybe you went into it and you were thinking, I, you know, I'm going to get some input and I need some encouragement here. I need him to say, you know, you're doing a great job. Keep going. Get, get after it. 
And then they give you a challenge instead. And you say, oh, that's, that is not what I came here for. <laughs> I wanted you to get, you know, I want you to pump me up. And, and we all need a good amount of encouragement. But we're going to grow based on how we respond to correction. And, and when I get corrected, man, it hurts. It hurts. When I, when I realize I'm off track in the way that I'm relating to, to my wife or my kids, or I'm off track in my attitude and the way that I'm approaching my work or treating other people. And, and if I get corrected by God or by Scripture or by someone, it hurts. I don't want to hear that. You know, I, I, it means usually, well, it hurts my pride, first of all, and it means I usually have to do something about it. It means I either got to clear something up or i got to change what I'm doing. I got, I got to learn a new habit. And so this, this verse, if you go back to this verse, um, it speaks to us that the coaching and the training that God gives us, He gives it because He loves us. Not because He wants to, He likes coming down hard on us for, the, for His own sake, but it's like the father training his son. This is very different than, than a heckler in a crowd. That's just saying, oh, you blew that one again. You messed that up. Okay, you're never going to get this. Why don't you just give up now? It's not like that at all. God doesn't approach us in that way. God approaches us more like a coach would, like a father training his son. Uh, I have a son. My, my son is two years old right now. And one, thing that, one project that he's working on frequently are puzzles. He loves putting puzzles together. He's two years old. And uh, he kind of started out with the four-piece giraffe puzzle. And that took him a while to get. And now he's moving on. We've added him some bigger puzzles. And, and he's adding the number of pieces. And, and he loves it. And he, he loves trying to figure out how to make it work. He'll spend hours. And I was thinking, you know, as a father training his son, if I were to stand up there and, you know, be all aloof and just say, no, that's not it. Nope. Nope. Those colors don't even match. Why do you think those go together? No. Give up. You're never going to get this puzzle. That would not be good parenting. I don't recommend that way. Uh, no, what I do instead, I love my son. I want him to figure it out. I want to, I want to help him figure out the puzzle and, and, and overcome this problem. So I get on the floor with him. I say, all right, buddy. Okay, which one? Next one. Okay, try that piece. No, not that one. Okay, that's the one. Now turn it slightly. There you go. You got it. All right, grab the next one. All right, you're getting it. Let's go. And so I coach him. I, I coach him along because I, I love him and I, and I want to help him with that. And... I imagine once my son and my, my kids get older, the level of coaching required is going to be a little more complex <laughs> as their problems get more difficult. But here we are, you and I, men and women in this room, dealing with our own complex problems in life. And we have our own puzzles that we're trying to figure out, pieces to put together. And God's saying, I want to help you with that. I know the solution to the, the problem that you're facing. He says, you have a problem with your boss? Don't, do it. Don't approach it that way. Here, talk to him this way. Or, or this problem with your spouse or your kids. Not, not, not that way. This is the way. And God is able to instruct us. Sometimes that hurts when you realize we've been doing it wrong. And so what we find is the wisdom we need to handle life's problems, this wisdom develops as we lean in to coaching. And, and, and sports, again, uh, coach, let me show you a picture. This is a, uh, a golf coach. And uh, coaches examine an athlete's form and their technique because uh, they can give this critical input that allows an athlete to overcome their personal barriers. Athletes are able to do much more than they would on their own if the coach is involved in instructing. And just like athletes need coaching, I need coaching. I know I do because my coaches in life, they can see things that I can't see. They can see the way I'm, I'm talking to my kids right now. They can see my attitude. I, I'm facing a difficulty or a problem. They can see my attitude. I'm doing that. And I don't always see that. And I need the input to, to be, have my form be corrected or, or my approach be corrected. I need coaching also because my coaches have experience in handling life's difficulties. They know what works. They know what doesn't work. And they've been there. I, I can take a shortcut in life if, if I'm willing to get coached by them. I also need coaching because... 
I don't want to have to keep enduring the same problems over and over again. I want to, I want to make traction. I want to move beyond where I'm at right now. And so the coaches are needed for that. And, and despite those, you know, those advantages that, that come off really easy, despite those advantages, coaching, getting coaching doesn't come all that naturally to us. It, it, in fact, it takes a lot of humility to own up to a problem. It takes a lot of humility to let others in and say, this is what I'm facing, and this is the mess I'm in, and I may have gotten myself there, maybe it just came on me. But it, it took me a while to learn the habit of asking questions when I first got married. Be facing a problem or facing a difficult decision, and and my wife would say like, why don't you talk to Josh about that or or one of your leaders? And I'd say, why? <laughs> I already know what I'm going to do. I know I know I know what I, I know what I need to do. I don't need to talk to anybody about it. Okay, all right, I'll I'll, I'll ask him. I'll I'll get some input. Two weeks later, so what did Josh have to say? I didn't ask him yet. <laughs> I, I, I don't, it's, it's hard. I, I just, I never get around to it. And so it's taken me a while. It's taken me a few years to get in the habit of learning how to admit that I could use some help from someone other than myself. It's hard. It's hard to admit. And, and wisdom, it develops as we lean into this coaching. We can lean into coaching first from God. So we lean in, lean into your coaching first from God, uh, and we get this coaching from himself, from Him, uh, from His Scripture directly. And so, for us to be able to move past repeating the same mistakes over and over again, we need to think differently. We need to see life differently. The, the way I'm seeing things is not accurate. I need God's help. I need His wisdom to be able to navigate through this. And the way that we tap into God's pipeline for wisdom is not just by gaining knowledge. We need His coaching and His correction. Check out this promise in Proverbs. In this chapter, wisdom is personified, and it, and it shows how to be uh, being open to God's correction and His coaching gives us insight. Proverbs one twenty three says, "If you turn at my reproof, which that's the first step, that's the first thing you notice. If you turn at my reproof, if if you realize, hey, you're off track, hey, that's not the way that we relate, that's not the way we talk to each other, hey, that's not that's that this is not going to be helpful. Hey, that's going to cause more problems. If you turn at my reproof and you say, I'm going to do it differently." Wisdom is saying, behold, I will pour out my spirit to you. I will make my words known to you. Basically, wisdom is going to open up to you if you turn at the correction, if you, if you attack life and, and from God's angle of things. And so wisdom's approach to developing, according to this first, is correction first, and then the principles and the reasons follow after that. And so God, he wants to provide us with coaching. He, he loves us. He wants us to move forward and to progress and not be stuck. And so he, he provides coaching through his word, and through his Holy Spirit. And so we're going to see the path forward. It's like you're walking around in, in the woods in the middle of the night. It's pitch black out. And you're just banging your head against a tree, every tree that's near you. And all of a sudden, a light comes on the path. And you see, this is the way. This is the way to go. I don't have to smash my head anymore. This is the wisdom that we need to move through life. In God's word, this, the incredible thing, the Bible is specific to everything that we deal with in life. There's not a verse for every specific situation, but there's principles and, the, and there's the guidance, the exact guidance that we need to navigate. And, and God's Word it can correct us based on a skewed perspective. If I'm not seeing things correctly, uh, God's Word can correct us on our, on our laziness. Maybe I'm just going about it wrong or I have a bad attitude while I'm doing this and that's causing problems for me. God's Word can correct us on, on dangerous or addictive behavior, showing us the better way. God's Word can correct us uh, on fear or worry and just the way that we're responding to this situation. Scripture has corrected me many, many times. When I first got married, my idea of what it meant to be a husband was very skewed. I kind of wavered between 
domineering my way or the highway or just passive, do whatever you want. And when I, when I got a hold of Ephesians chapter 5, I realized there's something very different here. You know, this, this thing about being a husband, there's this element of being a sacrificial servant leader that, that, that open, you know, I realized my, my perspective's off. And, and getting it in line with the Bible has begun to, to lead me towards blessing and, and a better way and, and uh, being able to just work that into my life. So scripture... He corrects us. And without this kind of correction that we get from the Bible, all of our life issues, we're not going to be able to make progress. And so wisdom, it develops through God as we lean into him. But then it also develops when we lean into the coaching from wise people. If we lean into coaching from wise people through counsel and instruction. In fact, God's word says in Proverbs 19.20, listen to advice and accept instruction. That's, that's hard to do. You know, listen to advice maybe, but then accept the instruction. Let me absorb it. Let me let it sink in. That's hard. That, you know, we do this so that we can gain wisdom in the future. The idea is that there is a tremendous opportunity to be coachable. We can become wise as we could become coachable people. So, if you're thinking through a problem, if you're thinking through a situation or a decision, and you're wanting to rebuild, you want to get coaching, where do you start? When you get around your coaches, whether it's time with God or time with wise people, it's time to receive their coaching. Because sometimes we, we get in the middle of the situation and, and we're around people that have life-giving input, but we're not listening. Or, or, or they have incredible input, but we just don't really take it all that seriously. I, I mean, sometimes, you know, we have different reactions when someone's coaching us. It's hard. When someone's giving us input, you know, you can respond in a lot of different ways. In fact, here's a few pictures from sports. Um, here's, here's one girl. Getting some coaching from her boss there. Doesn't seem too enthusiastic about that. I don't know how bright her future in athletics will be with that kind of response to coaching. But here, here's another one. That, this is how we respond. Maybe maybe he's kind of like get, trying to get away a little bit. Uh, tolerating this, but I don't really know if I agree. Or sometimes you just straight out argue with a coach altogether. You know, like, don't talk to me. Don't tell me that. And I have to admit, when I get advice, I wrestle with some of these thoughts, these reactions. You know, I may think, man, who are you? Who are you to tell me that? What do you know about my life? What do you know about my situation? Or, or I might wrestle with, you know what? It's great that, you know, you have to do things that way. So you can just do that. But my situation is different, and um, I'm just going to still do it my way. And, and we wrestle. Like, we, we react a little bit when someone's giving us input. So it doesn't come all that naturally. We have to kind of apply ourselves to it. But because coaching doesn't come all that naturally, let's look at how to receive coaching. We need to seek out some godly coaches and then lean in. We need to engage with our minds and our bodies. Here's another photo. Here's a basketball coach. He's right in the middle there. And his team, they're leaned in. They're checked in. They're focused. They've they got our, their eyes on him. And you know what? They're ready to respond. As soon as they break, they're ready to take action based on the input that the coach is giving. And so to get started, if you're, if you're looking for coaching, set up a meeting. Set up a meeting with, first of all, with God. And you can do this through prayer and the word, you get time with him, especially, you know, read the Bible, get instruction, and then, and then talk with him through prayer and, and, and express what you're feeling. Try to get input from him and then set up a meeting with the wise. You can uh, contact a, a leader in your life or, or someone that's, that's uh, been having experience walking with God and write out your questions ahead of time. You know, think through, what, what am I facing? What's the question I can ask? What, what are some questions I can ask to get some input here? And then schedule a time. Once you have time to, to, to get some coaching, uh, approach that time with eagerness to learn. And you can actually get your whole self involved. Let me show you a, a Proverbs chapter 2. It kind of gives us a real descriptive imagery about 
eagerly getting wisdom for life. Uh, it's talking about wisdom in general, but we can apply some of this approach in Proverbs too to getting wisdom from our coaches. And so um, we, can use, we can use our whole body, use your ears. Uh, verses 1 and 2 says, My son, if you receive my words and treasure up my commands with you, making your ear attentive to wisdom. You know, you know tune in, listen attentively. Use your heart. You know, second part of verse 2 says, inclining your heart to understanding. There's this idea of, you know, you're, you're, you're leaning in, your, your heart is open. Your, your heart is soft to receive the instruction that's coming your way. You can use your mouth. In verse 3 it says, Yes, if you call out for insight and raise your voice for understanding. You know, make that call. Send a text or the email to, to set up a time. And then while you're talking, ask more questions for clarification. And, and don't use your mouth to, to defend or, or to, to justify. Um, try to receive that coaching. Use your eyes. In verse 4, if you seek it like silver. Talk about wisdom. If you seek it like silver and search for it as hidden treasures. Use your eyes to watch the lives of your coaches. How do they handle situations? And, and learn from them, absorb from them. And when you're talking, make eye contact to tune in. And then use your feet. Verses 5 and 9. It says, Then you will understand, when you do all these things and you get wisdom, you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. Then you will understand righteousness and justice and equity Every good path, meaning you're going to see the way to go. When you have wisdom, you're going to know which steps to take. And you can make a plan to do it. In fact, I recommend when you get time with your coaches, decide ahead of time that you're going to take action based on their input. And so what you see from this passage in Proverbs chapter 2 overall is just an eagerness to get wisdom and to lean in. It doesn't show a person that's shrinking back or being hesitant or or just ignoring problems. Uh, We can make the most of our problems when we... We decide, I'm going, to, I'm going to own up to this, and I'm going to seek input and guidance. And sometimes, you know, you may even feel, it's very often the case that we feel victimized by our situation. Just, you know what, this, this disaster just fell on me, and I don't even know why. Like, why is this happening to me right now? Like, of all the times, of all the people, this has to happen right now. This is the worst possible time, and, and I had nothing to do with it. And I'm just, everything's going wrong right now. Sometimes through coaching, <laughs> I discovered that I had more of a part in the problem than I realized at first. You know, maybe I realized, hey, I'm actually contributing something here. There's some things that I could do to, to, to address, and, and the coaches can help you with that. But when we're standing in the rubble of the aftermath of, of our own problems, and, what, and whether we caused them or it just came on us, we can, we can get discouraged. You know, you can get into hopelessness or worry. We just want to pretend that our problems don't exist and that they'll disappear. What are you dealing with right now? What, are, what is the problem that you're facing? Or what is the problem that you're likely to face soon? The sober reality that we have to at some point accept is that the trouble is going to keep coming. You know, there's, there's a lot of joys in life, but there's, there's routinely trouble. It does keep coming. That there's not a lot of things in life you can make guarantees about, but we do have a guarantee that trouble will come. And there will be occasional massive problems. But there's a real important passage in the book of Hebrews And I'm going to end with this, that that just describes what Christ followers do when they face adversity. What do Christ followers, how do they respond when they're facing trouble? Look at how this is described in Hebrews 10, 39. It says, but we are not of those who shrink back and are destroyed, but we're we're of those who have faith and preserve their souls. When you're standing in the rubble of a devastating problem, things have fallen apart, You're stressed out. You don't even know where to begin. Shrinking back, ignoring the problem, deciding, I'm going to dig my head in the sand. I'm I'm not going to get input. I'm going to shrink back. I'm just going to try to give up a little bit or just hope it works out. 
that only adds to the devastation. In fact, it will eventually lead to destruction, according to this verse. This, this verse is saying that, you know, it's written, the Christ followers is saying, we are people who choose confidence. We choose to persevere. The author is saying, you know, we're not like those people who lose heart. We're not like those people that just camp out, remain stuck in their ways, and just keep cycling through the same problems over and over again. In the end, that's going to lead to getting wiped out. And, and it can feel, you know, when the, pro- the problems are coming on, and sometimes you hit a, you hit a row where, where there's a lot of problems one after the other, and it feels like it comes on all at once. It can feel like you're getting beat up by life, or, or an enemy, or someone. I don't, know what, I don't know what's happening, but I'm getting beat up here. Because life is a battle, and we have to keep fighting it. And, and this verse is kind of communicating. You're on the battlefield. And in battle, you have to move ahead. Sometimes you have to move ahead to the next landing zone. Let me show you a picture from Vietnam, 1970. This is a picture of a hot LZ. And LZ is a landing zone. Uh, landing zones are where they would extract the soldiers you know, and get them, out of, you know, get them out of the zone. But sometimes it gets hot, which means the battle has moved to where the extraction point was. And so the, the helicopters at this point, they can, no longer can they land. If they, tra- if they land, they'll get taken out. Everyone will be jeopardized at this point. You can see there's fire in the fields. The enemy's closing in. And they, they're, they're no longer able to just be, get to safety right now. The soldiers, they, they, they don't have a lot of options. The soldiers in the hot LZ, they can't go back. The enemy's there. They're, they'll instantly walk into the enemy. You can't stay put. You can't stay where you are. You're also going to get wiped out if you stay where you are. And so the soldiers, they have one choice. They have to pick up their gun, get on their feet, and push forward. They have to persevere and fight through the opposition to make it to the next landing zone. And so for life, we we are routinely hit with struggle and problems. And sometimes some big, colossal things fall apart. But we have to remember that salvation is on the path ahead. It takes faith in the Lord, which is, which is trusting Him. He's not going to rip me off. And, and I'm going to stay within His boundaries. I'm going to take God seriously. And I'm going to press through. As we persevere and we walk forward in God's ways, we will be preserved, according to Hebrews 10.39. The aftermath moments of life create rich soil for us to grow. We do not have to keep enduring the same problems over and over again. Rather than getting beaten up by our problems, through godly coaching, we can develop effective new strategies for handling those problems and moving forward. And in the midst of the pain and the trouble, we can learn, learn even more about who God is and how life works. As I wrap up this morning, uh, the worship team is going to come up. Ushers are going to prepare to receive this morning's tithes and offerings. I encourage you to think through a way to respond personally to this message this morning. Uh, you could consider taking a next step. Um, here's a few ideas. One next step would be to memorize Proverbs 19.20. And uh, this first one, it's a short one, which is helpful. <laughs> when I memorized this, it, was, it really gave me the perspective needed. You know, listen to advice, accept instruction, and you may gain wisdom for the future. Another next step may be spend time with God this week. Get in the Word, spend some time praying and talking with God, and seek wisdom for a problem you're facing. And then third, maybe set up a meeting with a wise person, somebody that you know, a leader in your life, some, a godly person that's been walking with God for years, and come prepared with questions about a problem you're facing. So as we wrap up, would you pray with me once more this morning? Father God, thank you again for your word. It is so helpful. It is so instructive. You, you've given us the path forward and you've, you've given us a lot of perspective about coaching and about being teachable and just the discipline that you provide and the instruction that you provide. And I thank you, Lord, for it. I thank you that you don't instruct us out of a malicious intent, but you do it because, out of your love for us. 
Uh, I pray, Lord, that you'd help us to identify some specific ways that we can engage and lean into the coaching that you're providing us uh, through your word or through other people. Um, I pray that pray for your help. You know, I, I know there's people here that are dealing with a lot of. Uh, there, there could be a lot of problems represented in this room. A lot of pain, a lot of difficulty, a lot of broken pieces that need to be picked up. And Lord, would you help? Would you provide the help needed to navigate through those for each person here? I thank you also, Lord, for the baptism this morning and just the incredible celebration that it's going to be, and the significance of these. 15 to 16 people that have said, I am making Jesus the Lord of my life and He's going to guide me. The Bible is going to guide me every day of my life. I thank you for that, Lord. pray that um, you would uh, just bless uh, those people in the service that we're about to enjoy uh, and celebrate with. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.